This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina, the 20th day of June 2022. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Going to be a beautiful day here in the southeast. Uh, First day of summer coming tomorrow. Uh, It is going to uh, get even hotter. There's supposed to be close to 100 degrees here on Wednesday. I know the heat continues around the country, so uh, please be safe. If you have some elderly uh, family members, make sure they are safe as well. Um, uh, Today, by the way, would have been my dad's 83rd birthday. June the 20th was uh, my dad's birthday, so happy birthday, Dad. Uh, All right, lots to get to this morning. Obviously, a lot of baseball. Uh, yesterday, the U.S. Open uh, golf tournament yesterday. Um, we don't talk a lot of uh, swimming here, but we're going to uh, start the program this morning. Um, uh, the uh, World Swimming Governing Body, uh, FINA, uh, made a decision over the weekend. They announced it yesterday, a uh, gender inclusion policy, they're calling it. And essentially what it does is it bans transgender athletes from women's events. Um, look, this is a hot-button topic, and, and, and you know, not being transgender or not ha- knowing anybody who is, uh, I, under- you know, I, I, can, I am sure that it is a difficult uh, process. It is a difficult thing for uh, boys or men who, who realize that— uh, uh, they are in the wrong body or in the wrong sex, so to speak, and they, they want to transition from being a man to being a woman. So let's start with that. I understand that it's not an easy thing. Uh, emotionally, it's got to be very, very difficult. However, um, you cannot, there is nobody, and I, I don't care how, whether, you, whether you are in favor, you know, you support the transgender movement, the LGBTQ community, whatever it is, look, at the end of the day, you cannot deny there is a large physiological difference between a man and a woman, whether you are transgender or not. And essentially what FINA has done is they have said, in order for someone to be able to compete um, in a a women's event as a transgender female, they have to have transitioned by the age of 12, which is very, very rare. But the, the feeling is, is that the physiological differences when somebody transitions later in life, whether you wait a year or two years, whether you do testosterone checks or not, there is a huge difference in ability strength, speed, etc., because somebody was born as a male. You don't have to look any farther 
than here in the United States in the NCAA Swimming Championships this year. Leah Thomas, who swam for Penn State, who was born a man and transitioned a couple of years ago, uh, absolutely shattered NCAA records, crushed the competition. It wasn't even close. And you don't have to look any farther than that. It doesn't, it doesn't, this isn't saying that there's anything wrong with what Leah Thomas wanted to do. This isn't to say there's anything wrong with other transgender athletes that want to do that. But at the end of the day, you can't have men running, running in women's events. We had that situation in the state of Connecticut when I lived there. There were a couple of high school track athletes that were born as men or boys and transitioned to female and we're running in female events as transgender athletes, and they were crushing the competition. And the CIAC, the, the governing body of, uh, of high school sports in Connecticut, you know, gave them this uh, Courage Award and all this other stuff for you know, what they were doing. And uh, look, I'm not saying that, that what they're doing isn't difficult. I'm not saying I don't, I don't think it's courageous, and I don't think they should be competing against females. I'm I'm sorry. Just you know, uh, and and when they uh, when the organization FINA voted on this, seventy almost seventy two percent of the members of the organization agreed with this decision. There were females of swimmers that came out and and were at the press conferences said, "Look, it's not fair," and it's not. Now, Ifina has also come out and said that uh, they're they're proposing what they call an open competition category where transgender people might be able to compete. I, I don't know whether I agree with that or not. It's, it's essentially saying well, here here's what we're going to have. We're going to have male, uh, women swimming, men swimming, and others. And, and I don't think that that's necessarily helpful to people that are transgender either. However, it, it doesn't mean when you want to transition to being from being a man to a woman that you should be able to do everything. Um, uh, it's not a level playing field. So if you want to transgender that fine, but that doesn't to me, that doesn't give you the right to then compete against women uh, in sports, whether whatever level it is, because there are differences. There are doctors that say, well, look, you know, this, this age 12 thing is arbitrary. Where'd that come from? Uh, puberty is different for everybody. Look, I get all that. But at the end of the day, there has to be some standards here. And we can, it's, it, otherwise, it's just a joke. And, and you know, we're not going to see women that transition to men. They're, they aren't going to be able to compete against men. They're just not. But it's different in the other direction. And I'm sorry, it, you know, it, 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 I support what they're doing, but it doesn't mean that they have to be included in women's sports. It does not. Um, the cycling union has uh, recently done something similar uh, to force riders to wait longer before they can compete, transgender athletes, before they can compete uh, as women. It used to be uh, uh, 12 months, but now they've done some scientific studies and they say that they, sh they show that the adaptations in muscle mass and strength power uh, who make the transition from male to female, takes at least, at least two years. At least. So 
I, you know, this is going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be people rallying and screaming and crying about this, but this is the right decision. It does not affect the United States in, in terms of the NCAA. The, the FINA has no jurisdiction over the NCAA. What it means is, is in international competitions, which includes obviously uh, the Olympics, things like the Pan Am Games, etc. It means that they cannot compete against women. I fully support that. And, you know, uh, this isn't anything against Leah Thomas or anybody else who's, tran- who's, who's transgender. This is just about common sense and science. It doesn't mean that, you know, Leah Thomas transitioning to becoming a female is any less valid. It, but it, ju- it does mean that Leah Thomas uh, has a strength, speed, size advantage over other women. And it is not a level playing field. And it is not fair to people who were bor- born women to have to compete against transgender athletes, period. So uh, I'm sorry if, if, if that upsets anybody that listens to the show or listens to the podcast, but it's truth. It's just the way uh, I, I think this is the, the absolute right decision. So uh, we won't belabor the point anymore, but uh, I just, since it was one of the things that was uh, uh, the lead story on the Associated Press this morning, uh, it was on uh, the morning shows on uh, television, so I figured we would uh, lead with it that this morning, but uh, right call, right call. Um, what a great finish to the U.S. Open Golf Tournament. And I'll tell you what, this is exactly what golf needed. They needed an event like this yesterday. They needed a finish like this. They needed the excitement. Because all of a sudden, uh, the the whole debate about the LIV tour, you know, is gone, right? People weren't talking about who was on what tour, you know, um, what the future of the PGA Tour or the LAV Tour was. It was about golf, and it was about great golf. And what a wonderful uh, finish as uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, Will Zalatoris, and up until the very end, uh, Scotty Scheffler uh, b- battled it out down the stretch uh, in Brookline, Massachusetts, and uh, Fitzpatrick comes away with the victory, uh, his first major championship, and... Uh, it was awesome, and he made an incredible putt. Um, I think it was on the 16th hole, you know, one that I don't know if I could have seen the cup from that far back. Then he uh, he hits a, uh, a shot into the fairway bunker on the 18th. His tee shot goes into the bunker, and he then sh- shoots the ball out of the bunker 18 feet from the hole. On the 18th hole... The uh, tournament is on the line, you know, bad tee shot. What a recovery shot. 18 feet from the hole, two putts, gets his par. And then he has to watch as Zalatoris had a 14-foot putt to tie. And when I tell you this thing just missed, it missed by a hair. I mean, if, if a breeze had been blowing from the opposite direction, it might have blown the ball into the cup. That's how close this putt was. And so that thing, you know, scares the edge of the cup, and Fitzpatrick wins it uh, by a stroke, and it was a great finish to this golf tournament. Um, Fitzpatrick from England. I think he's just the th- second or the third Englishman, I think to win the U S open. I could be wrong on that, but I know that, uh, 
I know Justin Rose did it, and uh, Tony Jacklin did it, and I believe Fitzpatrick may be the only other British golfer that's ever won the U.S. Open from England. Um, so a, a great finish. Uh, Rory McIlroy, his uh, frustration at majors continued, uh, got himself into some trouble with some bogeys, uh, tried to make a comeback. I think he, uh, you know, he ended up finishing, I think, in fifth place. Obviously disappointed. A great tournament, um, top to bottom. It really was. Keegan Bradley, New England kid. This was awesome. From Vermont, went to you know, school in uh, in Hopkinton, Massachusetts, and uh, had a lot of fans there. And he's a big Boston sports fan, so the the fans really embraced him there. Um, he ended up finishing one under. I think he was like in seventh or eighth place. But you would have thought he won the thing. I mean, after it was over, he's holding his hands high. And I think, you know, and he, and he said uh, in an interview afterwards that it was one of the greatest moments of his life to have that kind of support. And this is a guy that's won uh, a major. He's only won one, but he still won a major. And finishing seventh, he said, is one of the greatest moments of his life. So uh, that was really cool. Uh, the fans were great. And, and by the way, what, what a great a guy by the name of Fitzpatrick, you know, the a good old Irish name winning in uh, in Boston. It doesn't get any better than that. So uh, great tournament, great finish. Uh, Jack Nicholas actually called Fitzpatrick and uh, congratulated him uh, on the victory. And uh, Nicholas and Fitzpatrick share something. They are the only two people to ever win the U.S. Open and the U.S. Amateur at the same place. Jack Nicholas did it at Pebble Beach. He won the 61 U.S. Amateur and the 72 uh, U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And now Fitzpatrick uh, with the bookends as he won the, the U.S. Amateur there in uh, 2013. So uh, great finish, great for golf, just exactly what the sport needed. Um, lots of baseball to get to. We've got, the, don't forget, we got NHL hockey tonight, but this this series, oof, um, this series, it's got to be over, right? I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning are down 2 nothing After getting beat in Game 1, 4-3 in overtime, it was a tough one. Uh, the Avalanche came out in Game 2 over the weekend and absolutely kicked the snot out of Tampa. 7 nothing. You know, and Tampa looked, I mean, look, Colorado was very fast. They've got a lot of team speed, but Tampa looks like they are just out of gas. I'm not saying this is going to be a four-game sweep, but man, that was uh, one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen. And I watched more of the game uh, than I planned on on Saturday because the Red Sox were getting hammered by the St. Louis Cardinals. So I turned that off. I turned the hockey game on, and that turned out to be a, a route as well. But it uh, uh, will be interesting to see uh, whether uh, the uh, Lightning can bounce back tonight after a 7-0 ass-kicking over the weekend. All right, let's get to baseball. Boston Red Sox with a win yesterday. They beat the St. Louis Cardinals 6-4. to The Red Sox win their fifth straight series. Um, a great bounce back after I said after getting kind of humiliated 11-2 to on Saturday. They, they really needed that. Uh, but the other part of this is, is uh, in addition to winning the fifth straight series, I think they are uh, something like 9-1-2 in their last 12 series. I mean, what a turnaround for this Red Sox team. We've talked about that. They are now uh, five games over 500. They're just a half a game back of the Tampa Bay Rays uh, for third place, two and a half back of Toronto for second place. Again, the Yankees, forget about catching them, doesn't really matter. Uh, but the story of yesterday's game, 
Uh, Nick Pavetta. Pavetta, seven strong innings, 10 strikeouts. He allowed just the one run. Uh, and over his last nine games, he has pitched to a 1.77 ERA. Seven and one with a 1.77 ERA over the last nine games. He's now seven and five on the season. He has a 3.31 ERA. Now, he walked four guys. You're not real happy about that, but he managed to dance around that trouble. But 10 strikeouts, he just continues to be dominant. The one thing, if you're the Red Sox uh, in this series, that maybe concerns you a little bit, the bullpen. Whew. You know, and uh, uh, look, you know, they had a lead on uh, Friday in the first game of the series, 6-1. to one. They had to hang on for dear life to win it 6-5. Yesterday, they're leading 6-1 going into the uh, ninth inning. They had to hang on for dear life and win it 6-4. Tanner Howe came out of the bullpen, got saves on Friday and Sunday, but wasn't exactly what you would call scintillating. Uh, so I guess if, if, if there's anything, if you're the Red Sox, you've got to be uh, concerned about that. Um, you know, and, and the other reason you have to be concerned about that, I guess, is that uh, starting today, Major League teams are going to be limited to 13 pitchers. Everybody's been carrying 14. Um, but uh, there's a new rule in place this year that said you can only carry 13. They suspended that for the first part of the season, but they said as of June 20th that was going to change. And uh, they sent out a reminder over the weekend. So the Red Sox have a decision to make. Who are they going to send down? Uh, look, Salamora has not been very good. Um, uh they just got James Norwood. They just called him up um, after sending a guy down to the minor leagues, and, and they called Norwood up. But uh, somebody's got to go. Uh, Tyler Danish could be a candidate to go. Um, and, and they've got help coming. Josh Taylor is going to be starting a rehab assignment today, so he's going to be ready soon. So there's going to be some movement in that Red Sox bullpen. But at the same time, if you are Heim Bloom and, and the Boston Red Sox, you wonder if they can continue down the you know down the second half of the season with this bullpen as constructed. Now there will be some changes. Obviously, when Chris Sale comes back, that's going to push somebody that's in that rotation into the bullpen. Uh, when Garrett Whitlock comes back, same thing. You, you would think that it might be Whitlock that ends up in the bullpen. Michael Walker has been pretty good in the rotation. I don't think he'll be sent to the bullpen. They could send Rich Hill to the bullpen. My question is, is how well Rich Hill's stuff is going to play out of the pen. Soft tossing, tossing lefty. I'm not sure that that's necessarily uh, where he would be strongest. So they've got a lot of decisions to make, and they've got some looking around to see if maybe there is a bullpen arm out there that they can get before the trade deadline that can help them because this is definitely concerning. Look, they're getting great starting pitching. You know, when you have Pavetta doing what he's doing and Waka doing what he's doing, if Aldi's been good, I mean, look, you know, by and large, they are getting good starting pitching. So my concern is, is this bullpen and, and, you know, those two heart attack games on the weekend. Look, they won, they won two out of three. You're happy about that. Not necessarily happy about the way it happened. Uh, Chris Sale is going to throw a, uh, a second simulated game off the mound at Fenway today, and then he will begin a rehab start 
uh, this week in the minors. I think uh, the plan is to have him go down um, to Florida and play and play in the Florida in the Gulf Coast League. Look, um, and, and the report by, and I found this strange, but Ken Rosenthal made a report that it was likely that Chris Sale would be called up by the Red Sox after he reaches five innings in simulated or in uh, in minor league games in rehab starts. I find that I find 5 innings that can't be right. It can't be. The guy's been out all season. Right? And if you're going to bring him up and you're going to start him, you're not going to have him just go down and pitch an inning here and inning there in the minor leagues and then say, "Hey, here you go. Let's see see if you can get us 5 innings." I you know, I mean or, or I guess they could say, "Well, you're going to start and, and try to get us 3." But to me, you know, this is going to be a case of, you know, you go down, you, you, your first rehab start, you pitch an inning or two, same thing in the second one. Third one, maybe you're up to three innings. Fourth one, three, four, you know, maybe a little more. And then you have them pitch a fifth one. They can do that. And then after the fifth one, and, and the fifth one, you say, look, you know, go. You know, let's see, you throw 80, 90 pitches. Let's see what you can do. Uh, much like they would do in spring training. And then get them up and, and you know, throw them to the Wolves. I mean, I know they're going to be a little careful. It's not going to be necessarily thrown to the wolves. But uh, so I, I don't see, I don't know where Ken Rosenthal got that five number. But unless they're planning to use him out of the bullpen, that doesn't make any sense. And Alex Cora has come out and said that he wants him in the rotation. They want to do what they did two years ago after the Tommy John surgery. Um, or last year after the Tommy John surgery when uh, he was pretty good. In the rotation, and they, you know, again, you know, a lot of the times he only went four or five innings, but he was effective, and that's where Alex Cora thinks he belongs. So I, I think, uh, I think the uh, the Almighty One, Ken Rosenthal, may be wrong on this one. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would be shocked if that's the case. Absolutely shocked. Um, the Red Sox will play the uh, Detroit Tigers. <laughs> And, and you would, excuse me, you would say that uh, this should be uh, an easy series victory, but the Tigers are a little bit hot right now. You know, the Tigers are going to be coming to Fenway Park feeling pretty good about themselves after winning two in a row. Um, Josh Winkowski is going to get his second major league start uh, tonight for the Red Sox. Uh, it's going to be Alex uh, Fiedo, who is 1-3 uh, with a 4-2-8 ERA to get the start for the uh, Detroit Tigers. but And as far as St. Louis goes, by the way, they got a huge series coming up starting uh, tonight. They will take on the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Right now, the Brewers sit in first place in the NL Central along with the St. Louis Cardinals with an identical 38 and 30 records. The difference is Milwaukee has won three in a row and uh, the Cardinals uh, have lost three of four. So they are in a uh, flat-footed tie, and uh, it's going to be Miles Michaelis, who's been great for St. Louis, 2.62 ERA against Corbin Burns, a 2.52 ERA. So uh, that should be a lot of fun, uh, that series here in the next uh, few days uh, with the Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Red Sox got some help yesterday. The Baltimore Orioles uh, beat the Tampa Bay Rays 2-1. to one. Orioles win that series two games to one. Um, Corey Kluber, six innings, four hits, two runs for Tampa Bay. He was pretty good. Problem was he, uh, ended up giving up a home run to Anthony Santander on Father's Day, who had his dad in the bullpen. 
I mean, in the stands, pointed up to his dad as he hit it. Um, but uh, Kluber was good, you know, and you have to give the Orioles a lot of credit. Uh, they ended up going with a bullpen game. It wasn't supposed to be. Jordan Lyles was supposed to start this game. Uh, woke up Sunday morning and wasn't feeling good. He had some kind of a stomach virus. So they call on Austin Voth uh, to make a spot start. He throws two and two-thirds shutout innings in the start. And then the bullpen does a great job over the next uh, six and a third innings. They give up just six hits and one run. And they only walked a couple of guys while striking out five. So that bullpen did a great job. Uh, Lopez gets the, the save, his 11th of the season for the Orioles. And uh, the Orioles take that series two games to one. Orioles now 30 and 38. Uh, and now Tampa, coming off of that, has to go play the Yankees. And it's they get to see Garrett Cole tonight after losing 2-1. to one. Yo, lucky you. Uh, Shane McClanahan is going to get the start for the Tampa Bay Rays tonight. He's 1-3 and three with a 3.70 ERA. Look, the, uh, the Rays are struggling offensively. Uh, right now, I believe they're uh, 26th in the major leagues in run scored. You know, it, it doesn't help that they've got some major injuries. Wander Franco, uh, their young shortstop, is injured as is Brandon Lau. Uh, Brandon Lau is a guy who uh, hit 39 home runs last year. He's only got five in 32 games this year. Uh, he's been out for almost a month with back problems. Mike Zanino uh, hit 33 home runs last year. He's got five this year. He's on the injured list now uh, over a week ago for a shoulder problem. And despite all that, Tampa's still six games over 500. but they are a boat taking on water right now with the New York Yankees. Uh, in their sights. So uh, that is going to be a tall task for the Tampa Bay Rays uh, coming up this week. It is 31 minutes past here. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. The Yankees finally lost. They lose in Toronto to the Blue Jays, 10-9. The Yankees had an 8-3 lead in this one uh, going into the bottom of the sixth inning. The uh, Jays score four in the sixth, three in the seventh, uh, and they hang on to win this thing 10-9. Uh, it spoiled a, uh, uh, a tough day, or I should say a spoiled a, uh, a chance for a sweep by the Yankees as they win this one. Uh, neither starting pitcher very good. Luis Severino uh, gave up five runs in five innings, struck out nine, but he walked four. Um, but uh, stake to an 8-3 lead, uh, Miguel Castro and Wandy Peralta just were awful out of the bullpen. Uh, they combined to pitch an inning in two-thirds, and they gave up five runs, four hits, a couple of bombs. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi, the starter for Toronto, wasn't very good either. Neither was Adam Simber, who came out of the bullpen, who had been pretty good this year. He got bombed. Uh, but uh, Yimmy Garcia kind of settled things down an inning and a third of shutout ball, and uh, Jordan Romano comes out and picks up his 17th save of the season. The ball was flying out of Toronto. Uh, Vlad Jr., his 17th of the year for Toronto. George Springer hit his 13th. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel uh, had the big blow, a grand slam home run in the sixth inning off of Castro, and then Teoscar Hernandez hit one in the seventh as well. Uh, for the Yankees, Glaber Torres, his 13th. Uh, Josh Donaldson, his sixth. Kyle Higashioka, who's uh, getting hot a little bit with the bat, 
uh, hit his fourth of the season. Uh, still hitting under 200, but he uh, at least is starting to show a little bit of power. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez hit his first of the year. You know things are going bad uh, if Marwin Gonzalez is hitting home runs off of you. He had a couple of hits in the game. And Anthony Rizzo, his 18th of the season, it was a pinch hit home run for Rizzo. That's something he doesn't do an awful lot, pinch hit. Uh, but he had a pinch hit uh, homer in the uh, uh, eighth inning off of Tim Meza. For Rizzo, by the way, it was his first career pinch hit homer. Um, Josh Donaldson with uh, the home run. He has 66 career home runs in Toronto. That is the most uh, of any active player. Of course, he played for Toronto for a while, so he was able to pad the uh, the numbers there. Uh, but the Yankees lose, uh, still with a huge lead. Uh, Toronto still 13 uh, and a half back or 13 back, so it doesn't you know they're not. It didn't make any difference in the standings as far as that goes, but. Uh, uh, Toronto now just five and five in their last ten games. Uh, the Blue Jays open a three-game series against the Chicago White Sox in Chicago, uh, starting tonight. Jose Barrios, who has pitched better of late, five and two with a four-six-five ERA. Lance Lynn gets his second start of the season for the Chicago White Sox. Of course, coming off of that injury, he's finally uh, back on the mound. And as we said, the Yankees will send Garrett Cole to the mound uh, tonight against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, so when we did our show on Friday, we were talking about how the Atlanta Braves were, like, licking their chops because they'd won, like, you know, 14 in a row, and the Chicago Cubs were coming to town. Well, and I said, well, that <laughs> might be 17 in a row by the time the weekend's over. Well, what happens, of course, uh, on Friday and on Saturday – the Cubs find ways to beat the Braves, but the Braves avoid the sweep. Uh, they get a great performance yesterday from Ian Anderson. Six and two-thirds innings, no runs, just three hits. Uh, and then uh, Chavez, Minter, and Kenley Jansen finish it off. They shut out the Chicago Cubs 6 nothing. Kyle Hendricks continues to struggle uh, for the Chicago Cubs. Hendricks now 2-6 and six with an ERA of 5.43. He lasted just four and a third in this one, gave up eight hits and six runs. Uh, look, he's had some struggles in the past, but this is a guy who has been one of the elite pitchers for the Cubs, and uh, he seems to be on the downside of things. Um, home run in the game, Travis Darno hit his ninth home run of the season for the Atlanta Braves, um, and uh, they end up winning this game. They are now 38-29. and 29. They sit five and a half games behind the New York Mets. They get a break yesterday because the Mets ended up losing. We'll talk about that one in a minute. Uh, but uh, they had gotten as close as four and a half games behind the Mets with the Cubs coming to town, and I thought the Mets might be in trouble. Uh, but uh, the Mets uh, uh, have done a pretty good job against the Marlins over the weekend, but the Braves now five and a half games back. The uh, Mets lose to the Miami Marlins yesterday, and they do it thanks to a rookie, uh, Gerard Encarnacion hits a grand slam home run for the Miami Marlins in the seventh inning, and uh, they end up beating the Mets 6-2. to two. Chris Bassett had pitched well for the Mets. He had a, uh, a scoreless inning streak, I think, of like 17 straight, something like that. Uh, left the game uh, with the uh, bases loaded. Uh, Seth Lugo ends up giving up the grand salami, and uh, Bassett gets charged with uh, three runs on that. Sandy Alcantara, uh, eight innings. He, this kid continues to impress. Six hits, two runs. His ERA now 1.72. Uh, 
And before the game, uh, Alcantara met with an Encarnacion who has known him um, since 2014, so he's known him for a while, and said to him, hey, look, if you hit a home run, I'm going to buy you something. So after the game, Encarnacion was getting his clothes. He says, I'm getting my clothes. Let's go. And and Alcantara said, whatever he wants. Uh, so uh, as the home run helps him uh, pick up his seventh win of the season. So, uh, you know, look, that is going to be a, a pretty good race, I think, right down to the end. The Mets now 44-24, and 24, 20 games over 500, uh, despite the loss yesterday. Uh, they're going to play again today. Uh, the series finale, David Peterson, who has three wins on the season, uh, is scheduled to start. But Peterson's wife um, is pregnant and is due any day. Uh, so just in case she goes into labor, uh, Buck Showalter said they're trying to uh, – they were working out some contingency plans just in case. And uh, Trevor Rogers, 3-5 and five with a 5.87 ERA, is going to start uh, today for the Marlins. And look, in his four starts against the Mets in his career, he's been great. 2-0 and with a 1-3-5 ERA. So obviously Miami hoping uh, that continues and uh, that they can uh, uh, end up splitting this series with the New York Mets. Uh, the other team in the middle of the race in that NL East, the Philadelphia Phillies, um, they lose yesterday to the Washington Nationals. Uh, Juan Soto, a three-run home run in this one, uh, the difference uh, as they end up winning this game 9-3 to over the Phillies. Uh, Zach Eflin got the start for the Phillies, struggled again, uh, two innings, five hits, four runs. Uh, and uh, got to tip your cap, young kid. Jackson Tatro got the start for the Washington Nationals, just his second career start. And it goes seven innings, six hits, three runs, but none of the runs were earned. He struck out two, walked two, uh, and he picks up uh, the win in just his second career start. For Soto, it is his 14th home run of the season. Uh, Mikel Franco also with a home run for the Washington Nationals in this one. Um, So the Phillies now find themselves eight games back of the New York Mets. But the Phillies, uh, look, as far as the Phillies go, and Atlanta goes, and the Mets go, well, the Mets are probably going to win the division. But those two teams, it's it's all about the wild card, right? And right now the Phillies would find themselves out of the wild card. They're two and a half back. Uh, of a wild card slot because there is right now the NL Central with the Cardinals and the Brewers, and then you have the NL West, which right now is showing to be the class um, along with the NL East. The Dodgers, the Padres, and the San Francisco Giants would all make the playoffs if the season ended uh, today. It is 42 minutes past the hour. We're going to take another quick break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 44 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Hey, you know what today is? Today is the anniversary. Uh, Back in 1967, Muhammad Ali was convicted in Houston of violating the Selective Services Law by refusing to be drafted, uh, which, of course, uh, led to uh, uh, him being stripped of his uh, titles and uh, being banned from boxing for a little while. Uh, so it was a rather momentous event and, and, you know, it's, uh, on this, uh, Juneteenth celebration. I mean, obviously it was, uh, Juneteenth was actually yesterday, but it's being celebrated as a national holiday, uh, in many places around the country today. Um, and you wonder, uh, you know, this was 1967, we were in the middle of, you know, the civil rights movement and you wonder if it had been a white boxer that had refused to do that, would the outcome have been the same? Uh, maybe, probably. But who knows? But he was, uh, this back in 1967, on this date, he was convicted uh, of violating the Selective Service Laws. You know what else happened today? Uh, 
just long before I was born, believe it or not. Uh, in 1893, on this date, Lizzie Borden was found not guilty of the axe murders of her father and stepmother. Remember that old uh, Lizzie Borden uh, took an axe and gave her father 40 wax? And when she saw what she had done, she gave her mother 41. <laughs> and somehow, she got out. She got off. And uh, uh, the uh, Lizzie Borden home is like a tourist attraction. It's creepy. <laughs> uh, why, why, why you'd want to go there is beyond me. But hey, you know, you never know. Uh, anyway, all right, let's get back to baseball. The uh, the Cleveland Guardians, one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. Uh, they beat the Los Angeles Dodgers yesterday, five to three. They come back to win this one. They score one in the eighth and two in the ninth. Uh, Andres Jimenez uh, drove in the go-ahead run with the bases loaded in the ninth inning, and the Guardians uh, beat the Los Angeles Dodgers five to three. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, brutal out of the bullpen. Uh, look, he's got an ERA of four point seven one out of the bullpen. You know, there's been signs over the last year or two, actually even back when he was with the Red Sox, that his uh, his velocity was dropping. He doesn't throw the ball as hard as he did at one time. He is not the pitcher that he was. Um, you know, easy for me to say. But he does have 12 saves this season. But when you look at his numbers, they are not pretty. Not even a little bit. Uh, in this season, he's pitched 21 innings. He's allowed 22 hits. And he's allowed 13 runs, 11 of them earned. Uh, he has walked 11 guys. So 33 base runners in 21 innings for Craig Kimbrell. That works out to a 1.57 whip. That's not what you're looking for out of your closer. Uh, kind of spoiled a great start by Andrew Heaney, who had been coming off uh, uh, a bit of an injury. He threw five innings, five hits, just one earned run. He struck out seven. He walked one. Um, uh, Shane Bieber got the start for Cleveland, pitched six and a thirds, allowed two earned runs and seven hits. Uh, but then the bullpen does a great job. Eli Morgan and then Emmanuel Clays picks up his seventh, uh, excuse me, his 15th save of the season. Uh, and the Guardians take two out of three from the Dodgers. Now Cleveland has now won 15 of its last 19 games. 15 out of the last 19 games, and now all of a sudden the Cleveland Guardians find themselves uh, fighting for a wild card spot. They are uh, 34 and 28, and right now uh, they would be by a half a game in the playoffs over the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox have played 67 games. Cleveland has only played 62, so there's a difference in games. But uh, 28 losses for Cleveland. 31 losses for the Red Sox. So right now, Cleveland would have that third uh, playoff spot in hand. So they are a very, very hot team right now. And surprisingly, take two out of three from the Dodgers. Uh, and as far as the Dodgers go, they managed to hang on to first place by the, a, the skin of their nose. They are 40-25, and 25, a half a game up now on the San Diego Padres, uh, who have lost three straight. They got uh, manhandled by the Colorado Rockies over the weekend. The San Francisco Giants... Uh, have won seven of ten, but they lost one over the weekend. So they are uh, 37 and 28, just three games behind the Dodgers. That is turning out to be a heck of a race uh, as well. We mentioned the Brewers going to play the St. Louis Cardinals, a three-game series coming up. Uh, the Brewers completed their sweep of the Cincinnati Reds uh, this weekend. The Brewers beat the Reds six to three. Uh, home runs in this game by Hunter Renfro. 
and uh, Victor Caratini, uh, both two-run shots, the difference in this game. Uh, Hauser got the start for Milwaukee and was meh, you know, but he picks up his fourth win of the season. Uh, Devin Williams, his fifth save of the year. Mike Miner got the start for Cincinnati, gave up four runs and six hits in six innings. For uh, Renfro, by the way, the former Boston Red Sox right fielder, it was his 13th home run of the season. Got off to a pretty slow start, but uh, starting to find the form that he had uh, with the Red Sox last year. Um, so as I said, the Brewers will take uh, Corbin Burns to the mound against St. Louis tonight. Uh, the Reds have the day off, and then they have a three-game series with the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, starting on Tuesday. Um, the Angels starting to finally get hot a little bit. At least folks in Anaheim hope so. Uh, they shut out the Seattle Mariners yesterday 4 to nothing. Mike Trout with his fifth home run in the last five games. He's now got 21 on the season, uh, hitting 290 on the year. Has an OPS of 1048. Sheesh. Uh, but uh, Rosenberg got the start for the Dodgers. Couldn't uh, get out of the fifth inning, but four and two-thirds shutout innings. Uh, but then a great job by the bullpen. Rysel Iglesias pitches the ninth inning. Uh, and Logan Gilbert took the loss for Seattle, despite not being too bad, uh, just four hits and two runs over six innings, but the bats could get nothing going. Um, so the Dodgers, I mean, excuse me, the Dodgers, the Angels with the victory. The Angels got some bad news over the weekend, though. They are going to be without their third baseman, Anthony Rendon, for the rest of the season. He is having uh, surgery on his wrist and uh, that is going to shut him down for the rest of the year. The good news for the uh, Angels, who are now three games under five hundred, uh, they get to play a series, a three-game series at home against the lowly. And I'm I'm sorry, Eric Braun, who is a Kansas City Royals fan, but they are going to take on the lowly Kansas City Royals. The Royals right now at twenty-three and forty-two, tied for the worst record in baseball with the Reds, the A's. And the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, who has uh, four wins and a 3-5-3 ERA, will take the mound tonight against the Kansas City Royals. And Seattle uh, will uh, be at Oakland for a three-game series. Marco Gonzalez, who has uh, struggled to a 3-7 and record, but despite having a, uh, a respectable 3-4-1 ERA, will take the mound for the Seattle Mariners. By the way, there's some news that a lot of owners are very upset at the Oakland Athletics. Why? Because based on their performance last year, they pocketed quite a bit of money uh, in revenue sharing from the teams that had gone over uh, the luxury tax. And uh, so, and, but then, which is fine. The problem is, is that the revenue sharing money is supposed to be put back into your payroll. It's supposed to be to build your team back up. That's the idea of this. And what the A's did was the exact opposite. Right, they they uh, not only did they pocket that money, they then traded off everybody. The only guys that you know of any significance that are really left on that that roster, Frankie Montas, uh, is a guy that a lot of teams would like to have, and it wouldn't shock me if he's gone by the All Star break. Um, you know, so they're they're just making money, and it, and nobody can do anything about it. I mean, I guess the commissioner's office could, but uh, you know. With the A's being in the situation they're in right now, with that ballpark falling apart, the no, the, an, an uncertain future, and now you have ownership that is kind of uh, going around the rules, uh, it is going to be very interesting to see how Major League Baseball handles that. I, I, and I'm not saying they're not going to force the Oakland Athletics to, to, or the owners to sell, but 
with the rumblings going on around the other owners, uh, it would not surprise me if there is a phone call that, uh, if, if it hasn't been made already, there will be some conversations between the commissioner's office uh, and the Oakland Athletics. Uh, other games yesterday before we get out of here, the Diamondbacks, their twins have been hot, and now with the Guardians doing what they're doing, uh, they've got that uh, uh, lead in the AL Central down to just one game as the Twins are just 5-5 uh, five and five, uh, over their last 10 games. But the Diamondbacks yesterday win 7-1. to one. Uh, Kelly picks up his sixth win of the year, seven innings, five hits, just one run. Uh, Chris Archer pitches four innings for Minnesota. Only gave up two runs and three hits, but uh, the bats could get nothing going. They managed just five hits uh, off of Diamondbacks pitching. Uh, Christian Walker, his second home run of the season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Paven Smith hit one as well uh, for the Diamondbacks as they come away with the victory. Uh, the Tigers complete the sweep of the Texas Rangers. The Tigers win 7-3 to three, uh, in this one. Dane Dunning took the loss for Texas. He falls to 1-5 on the year. Um, the bullpen with a great job in this one. Hutchison got the start for Detroit. Wasn't great, but the uh, bullpen combined for five and a third shutout innings allowed just one hit and two walks in those five and a third innings. Uh, and the win uh, ends up going to Lang out of the bullpen, who pitched a third of an inning. That's what you call vulturing a win right there. You got to give up a hit and a walk in a third of an inning, but because he finished a fifth, he ends up getting the victory uh, in this one. Robbie Grossman uh, with a home run in this for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and finally, the Houston Astros uh, defeated the Chicago White Sox last night. The White Sox still under 500 at 31 and 33. Uh, Houston pre- improves to 41 and 20. Javier got the start for Houston, picks up the win, his fourth of the year. Ryan Presley, his 13th save. Michael Kopech got the start for the White Sox, went five innings, gave up seven hits and four runs, and falls to two and three on the season. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you can join us. We'll be here all week with the exception of Friday. Uh, we're going to be heading north. Um, got to uh, finish up uh, settling things for, for my mom. Got to move her out of her own apartment uh, after her passing. So I'll be up there uh, on Friday and Monday. But we will be here Monday through Thursday. So I hope you can join us. Uh, we leave you this morning with some music, a brand new one from Bill Anderson, uh, Country Music Hall of Famer, uh, friend of the show. And uh, he did a duet with Dolly Parton. And it's called Someday It'll All Make Sense. It's off of his uh, his brand new CD. It's called The Best of Bill Anderson, As Far As I Can See. So here's a little Bill Anderson and Dolly Parton. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.